Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Astrology Hub podcast. This is your place to get multiple perspectives on astrology. We feature living legends in the field as well as up and coming up and coming astrologers. And today we are with a living legend in the field, Judith Hill, who is a medical astrologer. And what we're going to be doing here today is giving you a preview. So she is our next inner circle guide. She is the astrologer that's going to be leading us through the Libra lunation. So today we're going to be giving you a little preview. So for members, you're going to get more soon. And for everybody else, you're going to get to learn about the upcoming Libra lunation. So the full lunar cycle and some of the key transits that are coming up. And we're also going to be talking about planetary transits and how medical astrology can help us navigate planetary transits from the perspective of our health and well-being. So Judith, we're so, so happy to have you back today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me back, Amanda. Yeah. All right. So for those of you who don't know who Judith is, she is an internationally recognized astrologer, researcher, herbalist, and award-winning author of many books with a lifetime of, of experience in all fields of the art. She co-teaches two courses with renowned herbalist Matthew Wood at the Matthew Wood Institute of Herbalism, and she now runs the Academy for Astrological Medicine, which we're also going to talk about at the end of the episode. She is one of the longest practicing full-time astrological consultants. So Judith, let's talk about the Libra lunar cycle that is coming up here very soon. What are the key things that you're looking at and what what would you say is the theme, the overarching theme of the whole lunar cycle? Well, as you know, I'll be teaching the uh, new moon and the full moon classes for the hub yeah. and the inner circle guide for the whole month. So, uh, and I, I am a, I have practiced every single branch of astrology in my many decades. I, so I, I, this is not going to be exclusively medical when we do these, we'll be looking at effects on everything, including career, but the most outstanding feature of the new and full moons coming up are the fact that they are both the, the moon is conjunct Mars in Libra on October 6th. And then the full moon, which I I forgot the day, I think is it the 20th, but it will be the moon in Aries, the sign of Mars, opposing Mars. <laughs> so we have Mars in Libra. Mars is the, the war god, assertive, energetic. He, uh, Libra is not his traditional place. It's opposite his normal place. He's a war god. He's in the sign of justice and peace. So the this was very, very challenging for me to come up with fascinating ways to use this energy because Mars is the one planet you can never suppress. You have to channel him. For example, Mars and Libra is fantastic for dancing, couples dancing or tennis, where you're 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 work you're energetic or aggressive, but with a partner. So we all will have choices as to how to use conflict, how to deal with conflict, how to deal with diplomacy. Active diplomacy is Mars and Libra. You can also just be busy starting arguments. So uh, how are we going to use this heroic force, energy for justice, energy or feeling strongly about things? Libra is a sign of gender issues, curiously. And we see in the world all that's gone on as Mars has been going through Libra this last month. So uh, this is, and it's, so it's a very, very, you know, for health, it has some very interesting meanings because uh, Libra rolls the kidneys, which balance, you know, the water of the body, 
the salt and the electrolytes. For vocation, Libra, Libra, Mars and Libra could not be better for fighting lawyers. Libra rules lawyers. Mars rules fighting. So this is great if you're a lawyer. Uh, it, it'll potentize you. You know, if you're, however, if you, you know, you look at what's happening. If you are in conflict, it doesn't mean it's going to go away right away. But it means it gives you a hint of how, what to do. So you have to actively seek alliances or conflict resolutions because conflict's not going away. So mm. these are some, you know, it has a tremendous effect over uh, certain, you know, certain kinds of bodily responses in some people. It will excite or exhaust the adrenal glands because Libra and Aries rule the adrenal gland. So we aren't going to get too much into that. We're teasing you, but you'll get to hear the, uh, you who sign up will get to hear the the big, uh, the thing we're talking about today, uh, the effects of planets over the body, physical astrology in transit. Right. So it sounds like conflict is something that will be present for most of us. We're looking for diplomatic ways to navigate the conflict in our lives. We have to move the energy so there won't be any avoiding or suppressing or putting off. Like it's like these are things that we need to face head on. Generally so. And or also this can be making sure your life is balanced. Libra is about balance. So if it's not balanced, Mars will let you know that because he kicks up inflammations. So balancing exercise with sedentary screen time, balancing sleep with wake. People should try to get enough sleep. Balancing fun with work, balancing uh, your diet. So if you're imbalanced, the signs that govern the balances, that's the Libra Aries axis, where we have the full moon and the new moon. And there's Mars. He's a stimulant. So he's stimulating a need for balance. So, you know, because he's physical, he needs exercise. So this is great for Tai Chi or, or you know, things that balance you physically. Couples dancing is fabulous. So, yeah, he's, he's uh, or one can actively create peace. Mars is a worker. You know, Mars is actually the planet that rules money in India, not Venus. Venus is what you like, your values, your sumptuous, gorgeous things, lovely rugs, wonderful, delicious food. But Mars goes out and gets money. You know, when you see the birds rushing around and, you know, attacking each other for food or, you know, all the animal kingdom, that's Mars. You know, Mars is tooth and claw. So, you know, Mars can actively does each sign he goes through. So, you know, when you turn it around, Mars can actively seek peacemaking, actively seek justice. One can decide, I'm getting away from it all and I'm going to go trekking in the woods. But he needs a muscular or a social muscular, like he, he loves to do group, group sports like tennis, component, because Mars rules your muscles, testosterone, iron, adrenaline, it's actually been proven that he rules iron. Hmm. They've been able to photograph it. Photograph it in the sky or in the body or both? In, they take um, iron in salt form. You put it on a filter paper. You wait until the moon conjoins Mars in the sky. And exactly 10 minutes following, the iron will suddenly spread all over the paper. And this, is, and this happens with every planet and its metal. Mars, really? yes, there's a book on this that shows the photographs. 
done by a chemist and replicated in England. It's called the Metal Planet Relationship by Nick Hollerstrom, and it changed my life. Don't, you can no longer run around saying there is no proof that astrology works. We have metals all through us, and Mars pulls at those metals. And this has been this was done, I think, in the 1920s or 50s, the original studies. Wow. I, have other, I have other proofs astrology works. I've done a lot of you know, earthquake. You know, we, do, we do charts for earthquakes that are the same size, same locations. I did a whole book on this. Some of these charts look identical. You'll have five planets in the same location. And so much so that on our first try, we were able to predict the Loma Linda quake. And we put it in. We, we actually had the prediction pre-made place, size, and earthquake fault. Whoa. I don't do it anymore, but I do have a book called Astro Seismology that it's just, it's a research manual. You can't get it online. You have to get it through me. But there are, there are several visual proofs that astrology works. This is one reason I love medical astrology or physical astrology, I call it, because it you can see it so rapidly working visually. It's just like, oh, my God. And you wonder why the doctors aren't looking. <laughs> well, some well, are. Yeah. Some you are. Know, it was so interesting. I was actually uh, speaking with a friend last night who is a lawyer, and he didn't know much about astrology. And I was explaining things, you know, how's, and he was asking the very base questions like, well, how does it work? And why does it work? And, and then he came to, why doesn't everybody know about this? And I was like, that's a great question. That's why we do what we do. And I said, it's, it's like people write it off. I know I did that too 10 years ago. I just thought astrology, whatever, it can't be real. And and that's one of the reasons I think it's just been sort of cast into a category of not really scientific, not provable, uh, superstitious. Well, Amanda, th this casting was quite deliberate. There was a, a, a very strong uh, deliberate besmirchment and suppression campaign that went on around 1700 and has never stopped. Astrology was totally acceptable. In fact, every physician that got a license in Europe until 1666 had to pass their astrological exams. And to pass those exams, you didn't just have to be an astrologer. You had to be a master astrologer. Mm. You had to calculate all the charts without correct ephemerides. And you really had to know your stuff. So this, this besmirchment campaign is still going on. And in fact, there was a law on the books for quite a bit of time. And I'm glad it's for your sake that it's gone. And I don't know where the law was. I know it was in the U.S. You could not portray astrology in the media, like interview an astrologer, without making it look foolish or stupid. Mm. They would have to do it. In fact, I went down to the uh, vocational library. I mean, the, the library, and they have two giant vocational guides this big. I look up astrologer in both of them and it's listed under entertainer. Yes. You know, there's still laws here that it, it, when we do certain things that we actually have to say for entertainment purposes only. And it's, it, it's like crushing to the soul because it's like, <laughs> we know this is not for entertainment purposes only. This is, I, I mean, so, but there's laws literally in place that mandate that still. Uh, astrology was illegal in the United States until, in my state, until 1989, I believe it was. Mm. 86 or 89. This is incredible. Mm. Illegal. And, and we all practiced surreptitiously, and every now and then an old lady and her books got dragged off to jail. 
<laughs> now this is this will surprise you, but this is why astrology, physical astrology, which which I've studied in depth, took a hard right turn into almost purely psychological and spiritual types astrology because the vagrancy laws in England put the great Alan Leo in in jail and arrested twice. And he was the most influential astrologer. This was around 1911 and 1919 period. And Alan Leo was, you know, the biggest astrologer in the world. And he gets arrested twice for practicing astrology because of the vagrancy laws. And he discovered that if you couched astrology as psychological counseling, you didn't get arrested. And he told all of his his followers and students to do this. And this was the exact same time that Jung and Freud were both uh, publishing their greatest works in this exact period in the first four years of the last century. And astrologers took a hard right turn and literally sort of forgot about their their beginnings, which were firmly planted in physical astrology and medical astrology. And so one of my goals is to help astrologers learn about this again, because it explains how astrology works. Hmm. Planets aren't there. They have temperatures. They have rates of they have tension or relaxation. They're hot. They're cold. They're they're fast. They're slow. They're they're damp or they're drying, and this will affect you. Your I'm going to be doing a class in mental illnesses because of this. But the the physical illnesses, the um, your personality, how you look, your careers. You know, if you're a very dry, astringent person who's cold and dry in your nature, and this, and say very, very mental, this is very, very good for a judge or a researcher or a scientist. And you'll see it in the body types. If you folks want to have fun, compare faces of, you know, statisticians, people who just do little numbers all day with, with people who are poets. <laughs> dancers you know look at the faces uh, i even study faces of different genres of athletics you know the, the gymnasts and ballet dancers small muscle agility of very different faces the, you know the speed skaters and speed uh skiers you know, always have my kind of jawline you know you always see this difference and i was the fastest runner in my seventh grade class <laughs> <laughs> nice judith Awesome. Okay, so this is fascinating. And it's really the perfect segue into going deeper into medical astrology. So you've given us some clues. And let's talk a little bit about the history of medical astrology, where it started, where it came from, how it's been used throughout time. And then we can go to planetary transits and how we can actually use planetary transits in conjunction with medical astrology to to learn more about our health and how to take care of our bodies. Very good. Well, medical astrology is very, very ancient. We know that they were beginning to codify and discuss the elements medically back in the days of Hippocrates and Aristotle, you know, in the 400 BCE. And then we know that there was a tradition of zodiacal man, which is dividing the body into 12 horizontal zones, like slicing a loaf of bread. Mm. And Aries is the head and Pisces is the feet. It's like the circle snipped, you get the body. And so as above, so below. And we know that that 
was uh, we see the first possible first discussions of it in a letter to an emperor back about 120 BCE. But it was we really for sure it was a more clearly discussed by Manilius, I think around you know 1480. Uh, and I always get mixed up CE 80. Anyway, <laughs> and so then. I was looking, I've been hunting for when do they put it all together? There's the planet and the sign, and it means this. And I open up the third book of Ptolemy's Tetrabiblios, 140 AD, and there it is, the method I'm using today in just a few sentences. And he you know, says when the, plant, the planet's you know, cold or hot, and they're, when they're in this a sign, they will stimulate that body region. That is the basis. So, however... So the Greeks were developing this. Now, you'll all love to know that the first school of medical astrology was on the same island, the island of Kos, and it was founded by Berossus at the same time that Hippocrates' school of astrology, of medicine, of medicine was. They were the, the medical academy and the uh, astrology academy are on the same tiny island at the same time in wow. Greece. Now, naturally, the students are running back and forth and learning. So we do know that this was one of the main and first and most useful branches of astrology to ancient man. They were too busy having their daughters carried off by the Vikings or plagues. Uh, every they, Very few people lived to 40. People were concerned about imminent practical stuff. That's what they, they didn't focus on personality at all. They didn't have time except for the king. So anyway, we the, 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 uh, the great bloom of medical astrology where we see the doctors practicing it, medical astrology diaries, the herbalists, the great herbalists like Nicholas Culpepper writing books on medical astrology. This was in the 1600s in England. We have like four or five of the great ones all born at the same time within 50 years of each other. Uh, I can give names, but you know, there's many, many people. Joseph Blagrave is my favorite, but we have diarists with chart collections. And so then those were the, um, that's when it was really crafted. And then what we call the moderns came in, in uh, 1800s, 1900s. And where medicine was getting more developed, you have Cornell's Encyclopedia of Astrology. He was a real doctor. This is a real encyclopedia. It is so thorough. And he was so impressed with medical astrology that he wanted to travel the globe and try to get it into all the universities. And I think he must have died before his dream came true. He speaks about this in the introduction to the Encyclopedia of Medical Astrology. So I'm a postmodern. I mean, I'm a modern. I'm a modern. Now, the postmoderns, they are busy using medical astrology and they're, they're throwing in uh, traditional Chinese medicine, feng shui, uh, music therapy, every possible thing mixing with it, and still in some, you know, maintaining some of the old traditions. Those are postmodern. But we, I'm a good modern. I, I, I'm open to everything. I know some postmodern. There's also some wonderful astro nutritionists out there because each planet governs a metal, a mineral, and a vitamin. Hmm. So, example, if Saturn is is uh, really being afflicted in your chart, especially if the south node is crossing over it, you ladies, that's the time the calcium starts starts dumping. And it's I can't tell you how often I'll say, oh, 
Have you had your calcium check lately? Oh yeah, just last week and I'm osteopenic. There's the south node eclipses passing over Saturn, which rules your your bones. You know, we have this, this habit of thinking of Saturn as bad. And, but Saturn is your strength, your bones, and Mars is your muscles. People with a lot of Mars and Saturn are often incredibly strong people. You know, I was looking at charts of, uh, you know, they had that wonderful documentary on Muhammad Ali. So I check, you know, both him and, and his big, his big uh, you know, his life enemy was uh, Fraser, who he terribly mocked. And they both have Mars and Saturn joined and on their angles. Uh, both of them have it, I believe, on their midheaven. <laughs> what one what knows? Muhammad had one on the midheaven and one on the like one on the ascendant. So they both were Mars Saturn people. Very very tough. And yeah, it can be a cruel combination. But we all need someone around, and we have to dig out the you know the the, the opossum from under the house or something. <laughs> There's go go get a Mars Saturn person. I actually did that. I had opossums that had died under the house, and I found a lady with, uh, she had Mars um, rising exactly and Saturn exactly above that, and her moon on the Saturn, and she had no problem helping me with this at all. <laughs> did you seek her out because of her chart? Or well, was it just I knew her well, and she just volunteered, and she had this <laughs> sharp nose, and she was fearless, fearless of everything. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love that, Judith. So, why do you so so that's a, an awesome like little uh, snapshot of the history of medical astrology. I'm sure you could go way deeper on that. Oh, yeah. But um, why do you think that you said that very purposeful smear campaign was started in the 1600s? You said right, or was that the 1700s? It was the end of the 1600s. It began in okay. a very very. It was it, there was, there had been a few attacks on certain kinds of astrology from mm -hmm. religion. Not all medical astrology was left alone. So was agricultural astrology. They didn't want people messing with God. So they didn't, they, the church did not want people giving futures um, or even doing too much natal work because it messed with their power or with, with God. They, they felt you don't do that. But this was not always the case. There are 15 popes who practiced astrology or were astrologers. Most of our astrological house systems in the West are developed by monks. Right. The only reason Placidus got so incredibly well-known was that Placidus knew Gutenberg. <laughs> Gutenberg got the printing presses rolling, the inventor of the printing press. So, uh, the, um, so you had the church. The church had a council at some point and they decided you there you could you couldn't practice you could practice natural astrology but not judicial astrology and i hope i didn't mix those terms natural astrology was medical so you can do that but you yeah. can't do judicial what's what was judicial astrology you couldn't, tell, you couldn't uh do someone's transits until what was upcoming that could put you in jail okay this was not always the case the church made a rule you know there is not a single statement not one in the bible that is uh, decrying astrology there's one where they they say uh you know they didn't like that the um, babylonians were worshiping planetary gods that's a different thing there's many pro astrology comments in the bible people don't realize that and honors like the first the, the three wise men were not they were astrologers it was inquired of them where the star was 
maybe it wasn't that visible to everybody. And they were the first three guests of the baby Jesus and allowed to give him gifts. He, he even said, I will return under my sign in the heavens. Mm. Uh, you know, so, so, you know, there's, there's many all through, you know, the, I come from the Jewish tradition and the, the Old Testament is so full of astrological symbolism. It's not even a joke. It's just filled with it, including the 12, you know, there's a description of the 12 sons and they're describing the 12 zodiac signs even saying you know the asp the scorpion bites at the heel of the horse and and these represent you know the different suns you know there's there's a wonderful tract on this by moby dick jacobs called astrology's pew in church it, it tells the whole history of astrology and how it's all woven through the bible so but there has been a, a deliberate attempt to mix astrology with the occult sciences that were not sanctioned in the Bible and you know so forth. But you had a big campaign by scientists. There's new scientists in the uh, seven, late 1600s, 1700s that they discovered the earth was not the center of the universe. And they made several other discoveries and they thought, oh, Astrology must be wrong. And they, they started, uh, some of them started attacking the astrologers and, you know, virulent the astrologers were fighting back. And some of them started making fun of traditional, uh, there was a lot to, of improvement to be made. Old medicine, Galenic Greek medicine, did not know about the circulation or the nerves. We did not have good anatomy. They thought blood was created in the liver. They had, a, they had a lot of things wrong. So when they started to get discovered, then they thought, oh, let's just throw out ancient medicine. Now, this, did not, this does not happen in China. When, when a Western medical discoveries entered China, they did not say, oh, let's throw out traditional Chinese medicine. So, you know, this, this was going on, plus uh, various political power things and various religious ideas, which weren't actually backed but people didn't know that. The greatest uh, religious furor against astrology appears to be nowadays. And I, every time I hear a rail against it on a, a Christian radio, they're, they're lopping it in with, with um, Satanism, playing with corpses, witchcraft. And you know, astrology is a form of studying the electromagnetic and cosmic rays that are unseen of the planets and signs that's little known about. So you don't, you could, you could be, have nothing to do with the occult sciences and be an astrologer. I think one thing that happened is our symbols are used, they come from ancient times. So our symbols are also used by not only practitioners of the occult. And so people conflate it who don't know. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong. I study palmistry. You know, they think, well, they think that's a cult. Palmistry is a cult. Why? Why? <laughs> it's not. I mean, a cult has a very definite, I mean, uh, playing with demons is a very different thing. And you can do it if you want. But an electrician can be an astrologer. A plumber can be an astrologer. Uh, but plenty of doctors are still astrologers. I've known card-carrying scientists that are astrologers. Mm. And it's just that the majority won't go along with it. So, you know, I'm, I'm a person who did 10 years. I did 10 years in the statistical study of astrology, serious work with 
uh, statisticians and you know people critiquing and replications and publications. I know what it's like to be a scientist in this field. Hmm. And there's, there's so there's still people doing it. It's it, it's a very thankless field. You'll you'll get attacked. It lose a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> but we're so grateful that you're willing to do it, Judith, and that you've been doing it and that you're here teaching us about it and, and teaching so many students around the world. It, this to me is the kind of information that we need to know. We need to know. And it's it's uh, so precious to all of us. So thank you. Oh, you're uh, welcome. Judith, let's talk about um, planetary transits and mm. medical astrology. So can you tell us how what planetary transits can help us understand about our bodies, about our health, and what they can't help us understand. And what they can't. Well, the planets, we don't know how or why. We have some good ideas, though, as researchers. But the planets have temperature, moisture, and they have speed and levels of you know, tension and relaxation. So they influence us. In India, they think it's through the cosmic color rays. Each planet mm -hmm. has a color ray, and it, it influences you. We also think it's through the water droplets in the air. It's through electromagnetic influences. We know so little about. But you can watch them work. It's like they knew there was air before they could. They knew it was, it was H2O. You can mm. see. I can blow the air. You can watch this work. So what can it do for you and what can't it do for you? So we're talking physical astrology or medical astrology. We already know what it can do for you vocationally, psychologically. Well, number one, it's just fantastic for timing, uh, for picking wonderful surgery dates or seeing when you don't have a good surgery date, starting of treatments. There's a whole branch devoted to fertility, and I used to do that a lot, and I'm now the proud father of many <laughs> children. <laughs> astrological children, like a progenitor, but I have helped very much in that process from the sideline. Uh, it's a remarkable how that works for infertile couples with nothing else physical mm -hmm. wrong with them. So it's be it's helping them time when they can conceive. Yes. Okay. Very even, if they, well. even if they've had a hard time conceiving, there's some like window of time that's just perfect for them. Yeah. I had a lady who couldn't get pregnant for seven years, a beautiful young woman husband always on the computer. She came over. She says, can you help me? I looked at her chart. And the strangest thing, Amanda, that night at 7.02 <laughs> showed she was going to be incredibly pregnant and she could have a girl, which is what she wanted. So I, she went on home, dragged the husband off the computer and at the appropriate moment got pregnant. Wow. Beautiful little girl with ringlets and everything. <laughs> That's amazing. So, so, so there was nothing physical that needed to happen. It was truly just a timing thing. Yes. There was a clinic that operated for 11 years. There's a book about that one too in Czechoslovakia under Dr. Jonas and a genuine licensed doctor. It, using, it was a fertility clinic using astrology as their main tool. They had an over 11 years, an 80% success rate in infertile couples getting pregnant and an 80% success rate achieving the gender of choice. I use their methods plus some of my own. The the uh, In Czechoslovakia, Dr. Eugen Jonas, and there's a book on this. I forgot the name of it, but I'm not, I cannot take clients. I'm too busy. So please don't rush me. 
I, I, I'm right now. You. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I know, I know. But the, one of the things that's so great is that you're teaching, you're teaching these things to other astrologers. So someday maybe we'll have a resurgence of these types of clinics and, and services for people where we're bringing astrology back in as, as the amazing tool that it is. We should. Every uh, hospital should have a department looking over surgery timing or helping with fertility. Now, it can do a lot of other things for you. If you have a mystery problem the doctors can't solve, a good medical astrologer can usually find the seat of the disease or what is behind the disease. You can also determine something our doctors can no longer do, which was very common in Renaissance times. You can determine if what the etiology or cause is. Is it natural? Is it supernatural? Is it genetic or is it of God? That means karmic, you know, cause mm -hmm. life. But there are a number of supernaturally caused illnesses, uh, which you can determine often through the chart. Now, the problem, what you, so you can often see, oh, the problem is not with the stomach, it's with the gallbladder. The doctor has been missing it. But then the doctor has to do some tests to find out if that is true. You can see if there's a hidden poison or if the person is in danger of, of a much greater danger than the doctors think. Mm, this wow. is, I actually have seen several lives saved. I, I, my, my favorite example, a lady who was a very good astrologer herself came to me and the doctor said, we need to do exploratory surgery on your bowel. But, you know, she wanted to go on her long cherished vacation to, I think it was the Bahamas. And she said, they're telling me I can do it before or after my vacation. The doctors left it to her. This is a true story. I looked at her chart and the chart showed she'd be dead in three days. I said, you know, this, I didn't say that. This doesn't look so good. You ought to go in right away. Just, I, I don't like the looks of this and I don't give advice. I just tell people, you know, this is your choice. Go talk to your doctor, but something's coming up in three days. This is, I don't think you should just go trotting off to the Bahamas. So she, she decided to, it was her voluntary. I don't get in the way of any doctor's opinion ever. It was her voluntary choice to have the surgery early. They opened her up. They found her bowel had already perforated wow. and she would have been dead in three days. And in fact, she almost died during, during, during. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you. Like, how would you know that, that her potentially being dead in three days would not be as a result of the surgery? Like how, how would you know that? That is where your discernment, psychic instinct, wisdom comes in. Cause you're wow. right, Amanda, it could have meant either. And I talked to her about it. And usually it's when, cause she, now she hadn't made a decision to have the surgery see. So this mm -hmm. was looming. And when I saw that and I felt into it, it's looming. That means something's going to happen if she doesn't go. Mm -hmm. And it was so severe. So now you need, you need a lot of skill to be able to do something like that. But this has happened more than once. This is where doctors can very much benefit. Mystery cases strange etiologies, something being a lot worse. You'll also show if something is going to recover quickly. Don't worry about it. You know, you're going to be okay in two days. It's not a big deal. Predisposition of children. I had a case where a little girl was born recently and the chart showed some very serious 
something in the intestines. And sure enough, you know, she's having a lot of trouble with her intestines by five years old. And, you know, if you know about this and you work with certain, you know, health things you can do, herbs or a good doctor, I'm all for modern medicine. You might be able to offset some of this. Sometimes you can't. So what can't you do? The problem with medical astrology, there are some serious problems. One is that you see something, okay, it's the liver or several body parts will be ruled by Virgo. Liver, upper intestine, pancreas, spleen. Okay, well, which is it? Which is it? And, and unless you really know your medicine and you've got your tests, sometimes you can't tell precisely. Sometimes you can. Most astrologers do not have good training with anatomy and physiology. Hmm. I'm always studying these things in my spare time. I haven't gone to medical school. A medical doctor studying medical astrology, oh my goodness, what they could do. And that is why there are medical astrologers in our recent times who say, you guys, this is incredible. I have, there's William Davidson, there's, there's um, Millard, there's uh, particularly Cornell. There's you know, people who, it was Jansky, they're mostly deceased. But the, um, I don't know if Nauman is, she might be still with us. Jane Ritter Patrick, she does, uh, I think she's an RN, I'm not sure. And, and Judith, are there specific, because I know this to be an astrologer and to study astrology and to become a master astrologer, which is what you said that physicians needed to be back in the day when this when these two were together. Yeah. It can take decades to have the level of astrological knowledge that you need to become a master astrologer. And then if you combine that with what's required to really be a masterful medical astrologer as, as well, a medical physician as mm -hmm. well, um, it just seems like it would it could take a really, really long time in order to be able to practice this. Are there specific tools and techniques that can be used to at least begin to be useful to someone who's working with the body well, and then just develop over time and bring in more elements? Yes, I actually I actually wrote a little book just for the, the health practitioner or lay person, Medical Astrology for Health Practitioners. Oh, or, right. or lay people, or lay people. There are some very basic tools, things that you can immediately use and look at your own natal chart that will immediately show you the main areas of your body that you should have a big, you know, you should be watching that might cause problems over time. Very, anybody can learn this in a few minutes. So I say you're, yes, even a Hippocrates, Hippocrates said, no man is capable of mastering medicine and astrology in one lifetime hmm. that's because their lifetimes were so short <laughs> that's true yeah, yeah yes you can yes you can but a lay person or an or a beginning maybe or to advanced astrologer can learn enough to be useful to themselves possibly enough to uh you know be troublesome also what's that expression uh, you know a little to bit be of dangerous to be dangerous yes. yeah enough knowledge to be dangerous so you do need to know that. But say if you are having, you're, you're breaking out in rashes and you're hot and itchy and you, you don't, you can't quite, and you look down and there's Mars right on your ascendant. And okay, well, Mars is heating me up and, it's, and it will cause a tendency for rashes and itching. But what good does that do you to know that? So what good it does you to know that? It might give you a clue to the source. You look at the sign and the element. Is it something you're drinking? Water sign. 
Is it in your lymphatic system, Pisces? You know, is it, what could this be? And how long might it last? Well, Mars is going to leave in a week. Or is it going to get really, really serious? You know, is Saturn right on the tail? You know, you can get gain a lot of insight. And I, I often have had medical doctors come to me, which is how I love to work. And they'll say, I have a mystery case. What do you think? Hmm. And you know, I'll do a little recording for the doc and he listens to it. And then he, it, it often, I've had, I've had uh, a couple times when one of them called me back, a, a client and said, you know, I've been to five doctors and it, w- it wasn't until you gave me a tip that the doctors could find anything. And now wow. I'm cured. Now I'm cured. Hmm. Amazing what you can see. And uh, so, but a beginner can actually see a great deal. And also you can learn about, you know, your sun sign does have some very important health oh, emphasis, emphases that's unique to your season of birth. You know, people mm-hmm. in Aquarius have a whole different inner cosmology than their opposite sign Leo. You know, and they, they tend to be on opposite ends of the blood pressure pole. Aquarius is your coldest sign. Leo is your hottest sign. This is very good to know. You know, you have your depressed. If you see someone, I, I will I will give this to you. If you see somebody who's born at midnight, who's born in the middle of winter, you know, Aquarius, you know, Pisces or Capricorn will do, born right in the middle of winter, midnight, on a new moon, there's a lack of light three ways, right? So Amanda, we, we know lack of light means depression. We know this now. And I, I've, before they came up with that, I used to think, no light, no, no light. That's just be causing depression. And then all of a sudden, you know, five years later, out comes the big theory of light deficiency depression. Right. These depressed Aquarians or Capricorns, Pisces were born in the win- at night in the winter. And, oh, they need light. And on a new moon, you said. Yes. Or here's simple things that, that everybody can do. Um, you get the person who's born with no air signs. And half the time they have asthma. No air. Well, they need air. The person with um, no, you see a person who can't gain weight. They're really, really skinny. They're always tired. No earth signs. You look for element imbalances. Earth is your minerals and your ability to hold. Person without uh, fire signs and they are phlegmatic. They're tired. They they don't want to do exercise. Fire signs bring joy. You know, so if you're triple, if you're all air signs in the winter, and no, no fire or water signs in the winter, no fire, you'll tend to get depressed too. So, you know, lacking of water signs, the person can get very, very dry and their problems might be simple dehydration. You can, or they're triple water signs and they're blown up like a balloon with water. That's not fat. So the first thing is the elements in ancient times. But I like to start with the position of Saturn. And I, I base my little book on that for health practitioners because it's easier uh, learning elements takes some work and so really, the position of saturn uh, do you include what house it's in or just the sign for just the beginners the house is secondary you look at very the most beginning thing a person can do is find the sign of their Saturn, and the sign you know the sign rules a zone in the body and everything in it of course there's an upper sign a lower sign signs have 30 degrees, three portions. But if you're just a total beginner, find that sign and find out the thing, the body parts that are ruled by that sign. And you're halfway there. That's the beginning of the seat of chronic disease in Saturn. Hmm. The seat of chronic disease. It's going to be cold. So Saturn's cold. This is how it works, man. It's so simple. Saturn's cold. And he's 
dry, which in the ancients meant astringent, meaning pulling inward. Mm-hmm. See, astrologers out there know that Saturn creates is, is bone. So you know, Saturn pulls inward and creates your bones. So he's pulling tissue together. So he makes tension, astringent. What does this do? It shuts off oxygen mm-hmm. it shuts, and, and blood flow. He limits circulation. What does that do? Can create a deficiency in the body or a, a, a creating of toxins. Or it can be a skeletal anomaly so that there's an actual structural problem. So Saturn was known as the seat of chronic disease. Now there's another seat of chronic disease, but you'll have to get the book. But the... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but for chronic- and tell us the name of the book again, because I can. T- I already want to buy it. I know people probably want to go out and get it. What, what was it called? Medical Astrology for Health Practitioners. It's a little handbook, and it has the most important things that every layperson or health health practitioner should know in a nutshell. Just easy, and how to just. I always say, don't get overwhelmed. Get started. Hmm. So just find your Saturn position and know what parts of the body are ruled by the 12 signs. That's where to start. The learning about elemental imbalances is much more exhaustive. And so then once you learn your Saturn, you can progress to studying Mars and the two nodes. And okay, so Saturn, Mars, and the two nodes would be the places that you're mainly- They're looking. the most important, they, they tend to be reliable. Okay, and you're talking about in our natal chart and then also transiting? Yes, um, natally, it's like there, and you can work with your Saturn and warm it up. You warm up where Saturn is. You figure out what the problem is, and you you get the circulation rolling. Okay, the the um, by transit, Saturn brings his cold ray, his cold mm-hmm. ray over you. We're going to be studying this very very much in the master class. Oh, I did a my emphasis is Saturn and Mars are malefics by transit. So say Saturn comes over your moon. Now, your moon is already a cold planet and rules your stomach. So all of a sudden, what could that be? Cold, drying planet coming over the stomach. Or the female hormones are also the moon, the breasts. Oh, the emotions. Okay, well, so it goes mental, emotional, physical. So people can feel very depressed under this. They need warming and need warmed up. Physically, say if they're they're pregnant. Maybe they're not producing enough milk. Mm. The female hormones are going down. Maybe they have suddenly no appetite or they're not digesting their food and the, they're having a congestion of their stomach because they have cold stomach. This is in the old thinking, in the old Galenic medicine, no time to be chewing on ice cubes. You avoid cold foods, cold damp mm. foods. You, you want your warming you know, spices and foods. You know, they still use a lot of this in Ayurvedic medicine. You know, the, the, the people of India were never, they never had the problem of their religious authorities suppressing astrology. Rather, Hinduism and astrology are happily joined, happily married. They didn't have the problem the Western monks did. But what this did for the Western monks is when astrology is suppressed, what do people do when they're suppressed? They scramble off and keep practicing it secretly and and inventing things. So the Western monks really got into studying this in detail and getting very, very, you know, and ending up with, you know, Cornell's encyclopedia. So there's your difference. But still, we are, we have this legacy of being uh, told we're entertainers or worse, clowns. (laughs) 
Clown, yes. I mean, and, and lots, lot worse. There's, there's lots of different terms. I think so. Yep. Basically, we can look at natal uh, placement, which will show us our tendencies, and that way we can proactively do things to offset those tendencies or balance those tendencies. Transits, which is going to show us what things may happen in real time throughout our life, what things will be emphasized, what things will be highlighted at different times of our life. Yes. And then do you ever look at progressions or any other type of oh, technique? Oh, yes. And you brought up something so important. I want to get to progressions, but the one you got asked what astrology can do for you. It can definitely identify your natal tendencies for where you might have trouble. People are very different now. And the transits show current time. Influences. Yeah. You might be perfectly healthy, happily living off Coca-Cola and pasta and which Libras will be prone to do. And then they hit 50, all of a sudden they have a health problem. These perfectly healthy people that they're so healthy, they forget about health. You see it all the time. And so the the planet will, you'll see it being hatched in the chart, the current time transits and how long that will be and so forth. Progressions are very important. Uh, good question. They show an underlying, like, you know what, you know what a seed of a tree, a seed of a tree will have instructions in it mm -hmm. when that tree will grow a limb or put out its first flower or seeds. That's your progressions. Mm. They come due, but it, but they have to wait to be triggered by a transit. So you can have a progression and you're wondering why it's not working. And next it's next year that Jupiter crosses it, hatches it. The planetary weather has to hatch the inner program. So, Yes, progressions can show when somebody might be prone, you know, to for a health condition to or a sudden healthy period. Some people start unhealthy and get healthy. That's a, a classic for Capricorn rising. You know, <laughs> Aries, it's funny. Aries starts like you think of a line really fast and strong and then and then and then a Capricorn is like a granite, which Capricorn rules. It slowly absorbs, it's resistant to the vital force. Mm. But it slowly absorbs it and retains it. So Capricorns may get a very weak start, you know, in their infancy, the Capricorn rising. Then, then you know, they're the last one standing, pottering around the garden, you know, when everybody else is, is uh, out to pasture. So, you know, now Aries do very well in old age too, curiously. Aries is the second longest lived sign. And in two separate studies, Taurus is the first. Is the longest living, Taurus. And, and you're, are you saying sun sign or rising sign or both? Sun sign. Sun sign. So Taurus is, I mean, but that makes sense, right? It's like that, it goes with everything we know about the Taurus personality. Well, think of it. They're born in mid-spring. What is right. the natural time? They get, they absorb and maintain the vital force. Mm. Extremely magnetic people. This is mid-spring day. You know that the Wiccans love Beltane. You know, mm -hmm. where dances around. You know, people. We still danced around a maypole when I was five years old in my grammar school. My girls still do it. Really? Yes, yeah. they do. In their school, they allow. Yeah. It? Yes. Oh my goodness! I didn't know it came back. They took it away for a while because you know it's somewhat pagan. Oh, right, right, right. You know, mess around. The parents were all thrilled. This was, you know, back in the old day, and so. It was maypole time. It's very sexy. It's very fertile. And Tauruses do have the greatest amount of magnetism of the zodiac. Mm. They also have the heaviest babies. 
the highest number of people in who's who and the longest lived in two studies, uh, followed by Aries. And um, Aries has a lot of vital force. The problem with Aries is they, they tend to take risky adventures. And usually, uh, you know, I'm going to go hang gliding, you know. So I think if they didn't do that, they would probably live as long as Tauruses. <laughs> wow. And this is fascinating. I know, Judith, like we're barely scratching the surface. I know there's like every single thing you've brought up we could go down into the rabbit hole and, and go further and further and unpack more and more. But already this is such a great start. So you'll be going much deeper into planetary transits and medical astrology in your mastery class for the inner circle, which is yeah. coming up. So inner circle members that's coming. We also, for non-inner circle members, we make mastery classes, especially very special ones like this one Judith is teaching, available later. So if you're not a member, but you want this mastery class, just keep your eye out because we probably will release it in the academy at some point later in the future. But, and then you, I know that you do a lot of this in your own medical astrology school too. So you have a, something where you're going through all the sun signs, right? The sun signs, there's a class I'm giving called the medical sun signs. It's very, very popular. I'm co-teaching it with Matthew Wood. You can get that link through my academy. Well, actually, we're going to put all the links in the show description. So in the notes for this show, you'll have the links to all of the um, offerings that Judith has through her her medical astrology school. So, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. And so that particular class goes deeper into the physical qualities of the 12 sun signs and their herbs of probably any class in history. We are really getting deep into this. It, and it comes with we're writing our chapters on it for our books. And those are all available right off our desk unedited to the students. And then, uh, but should I uh, talk a little about my academy, my new academy? Yeah, definitely. Um, we have, so we have links for the, there's a free class that you offer. Mm -hmm. There's the medical astrology forecast hour and then your academy bundle. So if you. Yes. Uh, if you just want to get your feet wet and learn how the planets work, uh, you know, by transit, um, I have a medical astrology forecast hour once a month where we just look at the medical uh, meanings of the planets, a few of them. It's a two, little tutorial. It's very, very affordable. I think it's $9. And uh, we look at, um, uh, we also look at, you know, some of the, it's just hypothetical. I'm not telling people to do anything, but it's looking at the traditional herbs you would use to remediate, say, too much Mars sitting in the sign of the kidneys and, and affecting the headaches that people are having right now. Um, you know, just, just what would the people do in 1600? And it's really fascinating. We have a real lot of fun there. And then I have the Academy for Astrological Medicine, where we have uh, courses from very beginning. Medical Astrology 101 has been going about 10 years now. And then we have uh, uh, astrological herbal class. We have a how to read medical charts class. We have a big remedials class on traditional uses of gems and herbs for, and lots and lots and lots of, uh, I'll be teaching the little fertility class at Norwalk coming up. And uh, it, we keep adding to it, but it's a wonderful, we also have a medical mystery chart for the subscribers every month. The medical mystery chart is every month I post a medical mystery. Like, was Queen Anne, what, what really was going on with Queen Anne here? You know? <laughs> and, and then I give, for the absolute beginners, prompts 
of how to think, what to look at. There's a question for the beginners. Then I have one for the advanced. We have we have medical practitioners in our academy from all over the world. And you can talk to each other. And then once a month, I have a live Q&A for our students. And we also then I give a reading of the medical mystery chart. So that's where we all get together once a month and also on the medical forecast hour, which is more open to everybody, the public. The Academy has been just three, uh, three months old. Three Amazing. Months old. Amazing. Very oh, and I have a great team with Tara Bachland. She is the most wonderful. Um, uh, she administrates. She's my back door, front door. Uh, she takes care of me. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So that all the links for those different um, amazing things that Judith is doing are in the show notes in the description. So don't stress about where am I going to find these? Just go right below um, this. Well, we can also pin if you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook, we can pin a comment at the top with all the links as well. So we'll make that easy for you to find. And Judith, we're really, really looking forward to having you in the inner circle. For those of you who are not in the inner circle yet, we are not open for enrollment right now, but you can get on the wait list. So if you want to be on the wait list for when we do open in December, you can go to astrologyhub.com slash IC22. IC, like for inner circle 22, that's astrologyhub.com slash IC22. And we'd love to have you when we do open doors up again in December. And in the meantime, Judith, I can't wait. I mean, we get to start, it's next week, right? Where we get to have you for the new moon forecast? Yeah, next week. I'm really excited too. We have, I made some really special slideshows and uh, they're easy to follow. And the, uh, also our, the masterclass on the, physical aspects of planetary transits is also a beautiful, very easy to follow. It's very delicious slideshow for you. Awesome. I am just so grateful that you have dedicated your life to mm -hmm. this study and that you're now in this position where you're teaching so many people. This mm -hmm. to me seems essential. Like the information as you were speaking about what, what doctors would be able to do with this information and it's just so glaringly absent right now. You know, this this level of um, of insight and these tools that we have available to us. And, and in so many ways, there's so much we could probably prevent that people are going through right now that could be prevented with this information. Well, Amanda, you hit the, the nail on the head. I never knew this day would come. I've waited five decades with every book I wrote there was so little interest. I would write them out of love. And I would think, oh. Oh, I'm just going to write because I, I know this stuff. And who knows, I would not hardly sell any books, nothing. And then all of a sudden, and I always dreamt of a day I could have an academy. Oh. There wasn't an audience. I, I always felt I had a huge feast waiting for guests, a big buffet table with all these things on it, and nobody would come. Oh, my God. And then all of a sudden, about Three or, then I put on the Renaissance Medicine conferences and a little bit of interest started to percolate and these people would come and then run around around the world. And um, I put on four Renaissance Medicine conferences. And then all of a sudden, there seemed to suddenly be a surge of interest. I don't know where it's come from. And then all of a sudden, everything came together to have an academy. And I was like, what? I mean, this just happened. And all of a sudden, my life dream of being able to teach full-time and run an academy has finally come true. Not, you know, I don't have much time. I mean, this is like, why did this happen 20 years ago? But it's happened. So I have just exchanged the leisure period of my life for running an academy. And I can't think of a better 
more wonderful way to spend uh, these years. What a legacy. I mean, what an incredible legacy to be able to pass along. Thank you. Thank you for for trading in your leisure for the benefit of all of us and really for the benefit of humanity. That's what I see. It's, you know, bringing this back in and teaching people. And then, you know, the more people who use it, the more people who benefit from it, the more quote unquote normalized it'll be. I don't know that it needs to be normal, you know, but, but the more that it can, it can come back into the way that we take care of ourselves the way we take care of each other, the way we take care of our children, you know, just as a mom, just having this information about your children. It's like, I, I could tell you stories, but you know, I, I want to say that I'm a great fan of our modern medicine. You know, we can, we can change out old body parts. We can study genetics. We have antibiotics. They didn't have any of that. We have something they don't have. <laughs> right. We have a telescope that can see into the unseen forces behind the pattern of the mind and the body and to see timing. They don't know. This is, this is how you do it. There's no other tool this good. And so we, you know, I never tell anybody, you know, go outside a doctor's opinion, you know, always, you know, always go to, I just teach, I teach, but we do have this, this pattern we can look at. Incredible. What an, what an amazing um, marriage to bring those two things back together. Yeah, let's bring them back together. And it's, it's astonishing how many uh, medical people are interested. I bet. I mean, it just it's like you said, there's an interest that is growing and you started to see it and you started to experience it. I think we're realizing that there's more to what we know. You know, it's like we've reached the end of everything can just be described by the physical realm. The material realm there are unseen invisible forces that we don't we don't understand why they work but they work and it's clear so i think there's just more of an openness to that i think it's it's hard to deny at this point yes and it, it's so important and it's just a shame that you know it, these these medicine and astrology were combined in the 1600s and they had a brief happy marriage you know modern science and astrology they had a brief happy marriage and all of a sudden uh, there was a war on astrology that happened and it it turned turned the tide. But, you know, I want to bring that period back because we're looking at that these hidden forces. We're cosmobiologists. That is an actual name of a field of astrology. It's the only reason I don't use it. But we are cosmos biologists. That's what we are. That word astrology, you know, the, the, the science just goes like this. But we are doing we are studying hidden influences. Let's continue to learn more. Oh my gosh. It's almost like the fact that it was, uh, it had the brief marriage and there was such a push to break that marriage up just shows how powerful it is. They wouldn't care if it wasn't powerful. They wouldn't care if it didn't work, but no. you know, that it was, it was that powerful that it, it needed to be a target. So it's like, yeah, why, what is the problem? Uh, this is, this is an amazing gift to mankind. So I've devoted my life and now, now I'm just going to, you know, try to help with this, you know, this area. And it's, it's, um, I've tried to distill and break it down into easy ways to teach beginners. Perfect. Get them going. Perfect. And you're very good at doing that. Not all astrologers can do that, you know, speak to the the beginner, but you're very good at articulating that for people that are new, which is, which is a gift. 
Thank you. I didn't know that. I always think I'm, I'm, I have to, okay, how would a beginner think? How would a beginner no, you're, think? No, you do great. I, I I mean, I can, I'm sure people that are here that are new can attest to that as well. Oh, so thank you. Judith, thank you so much for your time. Thank you in advance for the incredible journey that will be on with you in the inner circle. We're so honored to have you at our own school teaching. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so thank you for that. If you're interested in, I mean, Judith brought up so many books, you're probably gonna have to I, we can note as many of the books that we caught, but also go back and listen. There were so many amazing resources that she shared here today. Um, check out the show notes for links and we'll look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you, Amanda. I'll look forward to it. Right. And thanks all of you for being here. Thank you so much for being a part of our community. And thank you as always for making astrology a part of your life. We'll catch you on the next episode. For those of you um who love to tune into our weekly shows. We do have Rick Levine for the Cosmic Connection tomorrow. So we'll be looking at October forecast. Um, and so we'll have Rick for the Cosmic Connection tomorrow. And then I'll let you know about the new Cosmic Connection schedule going forward. So see you then. Thanks, everybody. And take care. Thank you.